Today, we are doing a series called The Best of the Best, and we brought back some of the best performances and messages that we've done over the past year at People's Church, and this is one of them. And today, I want to talk to you about a very serious, a very important subject. If you want it, put a ring on it. And you see this bed on the stage today, and as as you look at, at this bed, a lot of different thoughts may be rolling through your mind right now. Some of you, as you look at this bed and you think about your marriage, you think about a place of intimacy. You think about a place where you and your spouse hang out, connect, make love, talk. This is a, a holy, sacred place that you connect with your spouse, and, and you think about intimacy and and for some of you married couples, when you think about this, this bed and, and the bedroom, you think about tension. You think about strife. Maybe there's a lack of intimacy. There, there's tension when it comes to the issue of the bedroom. And, and those thoughts are, are flooding your mind right now. For, for some of you singles, right now you're thinking about how lonely you are. Some of you have been singles, single for years and and you're thinking, God, when will somebody ever occupy the other side of this bed? When will I ever get married? Will you ever bring somebody into my life? For some of you, as you look at this bed right now, this is a place of regret. And you think about mistakes that you've made. You think about engaging in sex outside of marriage. You think about some painful relationships and breakups that you've been through. And you, you, this is a place of, of regret as you look at this bed today. For, for some of you, the, the thoughts that are flooding your mind right now as you look at this bed on the stage, you're thinking, I can't believe they got that bed on the stage in church. And the Lord bless you too, and we're glad that you're at People's Church today. Here's the raw, rugged reality, is the church of Jesus Christ has to talk about the subject of sex. Okay, can I tell you that our world, the media, music, television, entertainers, singers, rappers, they're talking about the subject of sex. And, and the church of Jesus Christ needs to bring a biblical perspective on the subject of sex. Let, let me tell you something. Give you my, my deep, deep conviction. Here's my deep conviction. I believe that the church is the second best place to hear about the subject of sex. Now, now, I believe the best place is in the home. And, and Dad, Mama, I, I want to encourage you today to talk about the subject of sex to your kids. Please don't buy into the myth, well, I, I don't need to talk about it. I mean, they, they, they're, they're naive. They, they don't really know. No, no. Listen to me. Listen to me. They're hearing about it at school. Even in, in grade school, junior high, they're hearing about it on the playground. They're hearing about it in the streets. They're hearing about it when they play with their friends. They are, listen, don't fool yourself. They're hearing about the subject of sex. And listen, you need to be giving them at home a biblical perspective of what the Bible says about sex. My wife and I, we're already doing this in the, at the age of six. Now, we're not talking about the birds and the bees yet, but we've got some Christian books, appropriate books that my wife has got and brought into our home but that, that are age appropriate. And we're starting to introduce about body parts and things of that nature to our oldest kid who's six years old. We got to teach our kids about this issue and not let the world take over what, 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 what their, their viewpoint is about the subject of sex. Now, I, now, once again, the second best place is in the church house. And I know that many churches would avoid this subject with a 10-foot pole. But I believe as your pastor that you need to know what the Bible says about the subject of sex. Because here's the raw, rugged reality 
some of us in this place has some jacked up, messed up, crazy, whacked out thinking about sex. Because here's the deal. For most of us in this place, including myself, we grew up in a home where sex was never brought up. It was a secret. It was something that was never talked about. Most of you as a kid, you didn't know where you came from. Huh? Some of you as an adult, you still don't know, huh? <laughs> huh? You think the stork brought you in, flew you in, huh? dropped you off on your baba's porch huh? with a white, white, white cloth diaper on, huh? That's not how it happened. I hate to bust your bubble today. But li- listen, yeah, and in most homes, it was, it was never talked about. It was taboo. It was never brought up. And so there was silence. And then, and then the church, for the most part, and, and I love the church. I'm not a church pastor, but, but the church, for the most part, has not done a very good job of talking about the subject of sex. Most churches just, just avoid it. And, and then oftentimes when a church does bring up the subject of sex, they say things like this. Sex is evil. It's dirty. It's nasty. You better control those desires. You better stop it. You're going to go to hell. And that's what the church has said about sex. And so at home, people don't talk about it. The church says don't do it. And then the world says just do it. With whomever, whenever, wherever, just do it. I mean, you got those desires. Just, just have at it. That's what our world says. And because of that, so many people have messed up thinking. And what I want to do today is I want to give you God's take on sex. What does God say about this important subject? Man, parents, I'd be packing this in. I'd be taking some notes to talk to my kids. I, I would just, but if you heard it the first time, come on, you need it the second time, even worse. Amen. We got to get this down and bring it to our homes, to our kids and our grandkids and cousins and uncles, and that we can help people what God's word says about sex. The first thing that I want you to know about the, the Bible perspective on sex is that sex came from God. God created the gift of sex. It's not evil. It's not bad. God created and gave humanity the gift of sex. Now, some of you have a wrong view about sex. Some of you think that God created Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, and God put them in the garden. And some of you think God looked down from heaven one day and he saw Adam and Eve behind a bush. And God looked down and said, oh my God. I mean, he He is God. So he would have said, oh, our God, what are y'all doing behind that bush? That's not how it happened, folks. It didn't surprise God. He created the gift of sex. He, he, He gave this gift to humanity. It is God's idea. Matter of fact, the scripture says this. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27 through 28, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Now notice verse 28, very key. God blessed them. God blessed them. How did God bless them? He said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. What I like about this is that God says, listen, sex is a blessing. God blessed them. Said, be fruitful and increase in number. Now, and in other words, have kids. Now, if you don't know, this is talking about intimacy. Amen. You don't have no kids without intimacy. The stork didn't drop you off at home. Praise the Lord. He said, engage in intimacy. Have kids. Be fruitful and increase in number. And here we see God giving the gift of sex to Adam and Eve. He goes on to say, fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, God says, have a lot of kids. And my wife and I have tried to practice this verse. Amen. We tried to implement this. 
God tells Adam and Eve, have a lot of kids. And how many know when God said, have a lot of kids, Adam and Eve thought the light went on. Boom! Yeah, God, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, baby. Eve said, I got a headache. And Adam said, we got to obey God, baby. We got to obey God. Have a lot of kids, sugar. What, what I want you to see is that sex is a good thing because it's a God thing. God gave humanity the gift of sex before sin ever entered the world. Some people think, well, I mean, this thing of sex that happened because of Adam and Eve and they, and they ate from the tree and they sinned, so sex came into the... No, 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 no. You got it all wrong. The, the, Genesis chapter 3 is when Adam and Eve ate from the tree they were not supposed to eat from and then sin entered the world. But back in Genesis chapter 1, before, when it was perfect, there was no sin. It was a perfect world. God gave the gift of sex to Adam and Eve. It's a God idea. But here's the problem. Sex is a God-given gift that's so often used in a God-forbidden way. And my goal is for us to take this God-given gift and to use it in a God-given way, which is in marriage, a life commitment. God created sex as a life-uniting act in a life-uniting covenant. Sex is it's an awesome gift. It's not evil. It's not dirty. It's not bad. It's not wrong. But it must be used in God, in a God-given way, and that's one man and one moment, one woman in holy matrimony. That's God's best for sex. That's God's way of sex. In other words, if you want it, put a ring on it. Or like the girls did, if you want it. <laughs> they drove it home, didn't they, huh? If you want it, put a ring on it. Let me take you back to the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings one more time. And I want us to unpack some more about this gift of sex and kind of look at God and the creation and how he created. The Bible says in Genesis chapter one and verse number 24, it says, and God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock creatures that move along the ground and wild animals, each according to its Kind. Now, what I want us to notice as I continue to read this is I want you to notice that, that God does not say human, human beings are animals, that they're separate species, they're, they're separate creation, animals and, and, and human beings. Now, now, the world says this. The world says we're animals. The world says you and I are animals. We got to act like animals because we're just a bunch of animals. But that's not what God's word says. It goes on to say, notice this in verse 25. God made the wild animals according to their kinds. Not human beings. Humans haven't been, not, haven't been created yet. God made the animals. They didn't say God made the animals, the monkeys, and the human beings because they're all of the same kind. No, 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 no. He made the wild animals according to their kinds. The livestock according to their kinds. They didn't say God made the cow and the horse and the people, and they're all of the same kind. No. He made the livestock according to their kinds. And all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God said that it was good. Now, in this verse, we see God is creating animals. Now, now here's what I want you to do. I'm a participatory preacher. So look at your neighbor. Right? Come on, everybody look at your neighbor and just tell them this. You're not an animal. Come on, just tell them. Come on. You're not an animal. Now, I, I know for some of you this is shocking news. This is a revelation for you. But you are not an animal. You see, animals just have a body. As human beings, we are created body, soul, and spirit. We are not 
animals. We were not created with animals. We're not of their kind. As a matter of fact, the scripture now talks about the creation of humanity in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image. Let me tell you what their likeness is like. Not livestock, not creatures, not not, not a bunch of rabbits, not, not tur- no, no, no. Their, their, their likeness is in our image, in our likeness. They're not animals, in our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. In other words, because they're of our likeness, they're not an animal, they're not a horse, a donkey. They, they, they are human beings made in our likeness. They're going to rule over everything else. They're going to rule over the horse and the animals and the fish. They're going to rule. They're going to reign. They're going to have dominion over the earth because they're not animals. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. I want you to see this. We are not animals. We are created in the image of God. We don't have to have sex wherever, however, with whomever because we are not animals. I shared this story with you. In February, it was in January, I was taking Kel to school. Kel is my six-year-old son, and I take my kids to school most, most mornings, Kel. And actually, this, this fall, I'm excited. I'm going to have to be taking two of my kids to school. And, and so I was taking Kel to school in January, and I looked out the window, and I saw two dogs in the front yard. A black dog was on top of the white dog. I, I don't need to explain it anymore, do I? Okay, you got the picture. The black dog was on top of the white dog. And I thought to myself... I sure hope Kel doesn't look over and see this. Now, Kel was in the passenger side in the back seat, buckled up there, and the yard was over here, and Kel looked out the window. He said, Daddy, look, the black dog is on top of the white dog. I immediately turned back and said, Hey, Kel, buddy, you ready for school? What are you going to be doing today at school? What's happening at school? I just changed the subject. At six years old, we don't need to talk about the black dog on top of the white dog. Uh Oh, we're not talking about that. And I immediately begin to think to myself, why couldn't them dogs be in the backyard? Why couldn't them dogs be in the doggy house behind some tree? Why are them dogs in the front yard at 7.30 in the morning? What, I mean, what, at least wait till after dark. What are y'all doing? I'm trying to get my boy to school. I mean, them dogs in the front yard, 7.30 in the morning. But they're dogs. That's what dogs do. Huh? That's what dogs do. Whomever, wherever. It's 7.30 in the morning. It doesn't make them any. They are dogs. And the world tries to tell you and I that we're dogs. We just got to do it with whoever, whoever, whenever, however. I mean, we just got uncontrollable passions. We're just a bunch of dogs. That's what they just cram down our throat through the music and the media. Just, just, just a bunch of animals. When I was in college, I'm two years older than my wife, Tiffany, and she was a, a freshman in college when I was a, a senior in college, even though we're just two years apart in age. And, and the reason why is because I'm so brilliant. I'm, I'm just playing. I'm just, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just, I think I made a 17 on my ACT. I'm not brilliant. Amen. But, but, but anyways, we're two years apart. And when I was a senior, she was a freshman and she was a cheerleader. I was a football player. And, and some of the football players liked, liked Tiffany. We were dating at the time. She was my girlfriend. And true, true story, Tiffany would walk out the cafeteria on several occasions. There'd be three football players standing outside the cafeteria. And when Tiffany would walk out the cafeteria doors and start walking down the sidewalk, these fellas would bark at my girlfriend. Roof, roof! Who let the dogs out? Roof, roof! Who let the dogs out? 
Now, my wife grew up in Nebraska and Wisconsin. She don't know nothing about no barking, huh? And them brothers was barking at my girlfriend. Roof, roof. Because the world tells us we're a bunch of dogs. Who let them dogs out? Roof, roof. And I'm telling you today, you're not a dog. Quit going to the mall, fellas, barking at the girls. You're not a dog. You're not a dog. Stop it. Stop it. You're not a dog. But, 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 but because of what the world says, and, and at home we don't hear about it, and the church says don't do it, the world says just do it, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of messed up thinking about the subject of sex. So, so we're looking at what God says. God says uh, it belongs in a holy matrimony. Herbert, Herbert, how do I change? What do I do? I got this wrong thinking. How, what, what do I need to do? Let's look at this together. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1 and 2. The Bible says, therefore I urge you, Brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Paul says, hey, brothers, sisters in Christ, those who know the Lord, who are serving the Lord, followers of Jesus, don't take God's mercy and grace as a license to sin. Some people do that. Herbert, God is gracious. God is merciful. I can live how I want to live. I can engage in sex with whomever I want to engage in sex because God's merciful. Man, he's gracious. And the Bible says, listen, in view of God's mercy, in view of all that God has done for you and me, he died on the cross, he rose again, he forgave us, he gave us joy, he gave us peace. I mean, in, in view of all that God has done for us, the Bible says, here's our spiritual act of worship to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Said so, Herbert, how do we do that? Verse number two. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. And that's what happens to us. We, we conform, or, or that word simply means we, we get squeezed. We get molded into the image of this world. We, 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 get, we, we get shaped into the image of this world. Some of us, we've been shaped when we were a kid. We were shaped in college. We were squeezed. We, the friends we hang out have squeezed us into a pattern, into a pattern of thinking, how we process life and sex and relationships. We've been squeezed and formed and conformed to the pattern of this world. And, and Jesus said, he, and, and the Bible says, listen, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. But notice this, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And in, in other words, all of us, all of us, when we come to Christ, we come to Christ with stinking thinking. And the Bible knew this. Jesus knew this. He says, you got to get your mind renewed. See, check this out. When you gave your heart to Christ, when you gave your life to Jesus, God's Holy Spirit came to live inside of you, but you still have the same mind. See, that's why some people, right when they get saved, they get saved. That's why some people still live together, engage in sex outside of marriage. They're still addicted. They, they got saved. They, 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 they've been regenerated. The Holy Spirit come to live inside of them, but they still have the same mind. They still have the same mind when they were a, a kid and a teenager, when they were partying in college. They still have the same mind. And the Bible says, listen, you got to get your mind transformed. Your mind has to be renewed. Notice what he goes on to say. I want you to catch this. It says, then... When your mind gets renewed, then, notice, not just when you get saved, when you get saved and give your heart to Christ and your mind gets renewed, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, if you don't renew your mind, you will miss out on God's best blessings. 
because you'll live beneath God's best for your life. You've got to renew your mind. You see, right thinking leads to right living, and right living leads to God's blessings. Don't you miss this? You got to renew your mind because right thinking leads to right living, and right living leads to God's blessings. It's not good enough just to get saved, born again. You've got to renew your mind that you can experience God's perfect, pleasing, good will for your life. Herbert, how do I renew my mind? That's how I want to wrap up this message today with some practical points for you on how to renew your mind that you can experience God's best, that you're not Give saved and your mind is still thinking from the world. How do you renew your mind? Four, four things I want to bring out. You got to develop four spiritual disciplines, four spiritual disciplines. Number one is this, get connected in a Bible teaching church. So important, connected in a Bible teaching church. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And you know what happens? I've seen this time and time again and it breaks my heart. As a pastor, when people get out of the habit of church and they drift away, and oftentimes it's, it's subtly, the priorities shift. And you know what happens when people drift away from church is they start getting squeezed into the image of this world. They start getting conformed. Their, their thinking and their values start getting wishy-washy, and, and they get squeezed. It, it, happens, it happens so subtly. It's just they, they, get, they get conformed. They get shaped into the image of this world. That's why church is so important because all week long we're getting bombarded with all kind of principles and thinking and ideologies. And we need to come find out what God says about stuff. I mean, I heard what the world said and the boss said and what television said. But what does God say about relationships and marriage and sex and finances and, 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 and health? And what does God say about when I'm mad and I'm upset and I'm angry and I'm bitter? What, what does God say about that? It goes on to say, but let us encourage one another. And that's what church does. It, encourage, it encourages us. It says, let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. There, there's something called this, this corporate anointing when we come together. God's presence is here in, in, just, in just a great, great way. And, man, there's something powerful about worshiping Jesus together. And I tell you, I just, just lost my mom this past week. And it's something powerful to come together today hearing that song, I never would have made it without you, Lord. In spite of it all, losing my mom, in spite of difficulties, I never would have made it. I mean, there's something powerful coming together and lifting up the name of Jesus. There's something powerful about hearing the teaching of God's Word. It renews your mind when you're hearing God's Word on a consistent basis, and right thinking leads to right living, and right living leads to God's blessings. Number two is this. Number two is this. Read the Bible daily. Read the Bible daily daily. You got to develop four spiritual disciplines. Read the Bible daily. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25 to 27 says this, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for up for her. Notice it's to make her holy. God died for the church, the, the bride, his bride. Why? To make us holy. How does he make us holy? Cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word, the word of God and to present to her, to, to her, to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. How does God make his bride, his church, holy and blameless? By cleansing her, by the washing with the water through the word. Can I tell you what the Bible does when you read it? When you come to church on a consistent basis and hear the teaching of God's word, you know what happens? It washes you. It washes your mind. It washes your heart. I said like this to you, you know, these hot summer days like this, 
How many know when we get out and we're playing and we're running around and we're out and getting in the car and so it's, uh, it's 100 degrees outside, that it means it's 125 in the car and how uh, the odor ain't holding up real good. How many know, you know what I'm talking about? You get a little stu- stinky, huh? Honestly, some of you get funky, amen. You're not stinky, you funky, amen. You nasty, you got B.O., huh? You know what we do? We take a shower. We take a shower. And some of you might not take a shower. We're praying for you, amen. The Lord would, would renew your mind about taking a shower. It, it changed your thinking. But we take a shower because we, we want to wash ourselves clean. And that's what the Word does. Can you imagine if you didn't ever take a shower, you never took a bath in the dog days of summer? Can you imagine going 30 days, 45 days, what you would be like and smell like? But, but we understand that physically, but spiritually we forget that. And we go weeks and months without the Word of God. And there's no washing. There's no cleansing. There's no renewing of the mind. The Word of God, it washes, it cleanses, it renews our mind. And right thinking leads to right living. And right living leads to God's blessings. Number three is this. Number three is this. Get connected with the right people. Get connected with the right people. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. I don't want you to miss this. So many people struggle with this. Who you hang around influences your life. Now, 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 when I gave my heart to Christ, now there's nothing wrong with having friends. I probably not best friends, but friends, associates, comrades that you hang out with that don't know the Lord so that you can influence their life. But some of you are like me. See, when I was a teenager and gave my heart to Christ, I had to get some new friends. Because here's the deal. I, I wanted to be salt and light but I wasn't strong enough yet. Because here's the deal. If I would have kept my same best friends and hung out with them on the weekends and, and, and never switched my friends up and switched what I was doing in my lifestyle, I wasn't strong enough at that time to influence them. They would influence me. And that's what some of you are. You gave your heart to Christ, but you still got the same set of friends, and you're not strong enough. Oh, Pastor, I'm going to the club to be light. You're not going to be light. You're not fooling, fooling me, huh? You're, huh? you're not up there being light. You are being influenced, squeezed, shaped into the image of this world. And you got to get some new friends. Let me tell you something. Show me your three closest friends. I'll show you your future. Every time, every time, bad company, every time. Herbert, I, I, I can dodge the odds. No, every time, bad company. Don't mislead. Don't be misled. Don't be deceived. Bad company, every time, leads to bad character. It corrupts good character every single time. That's why small groups are important in people's church. That's why serving in a ministry is important. Not just to be a blessing to others, but you need to be around some other folks in the ministry where you can build some relationships, know somebody's name. They know your name. It's, it's important to get around the right people. Number four is this. I'm wrapping up with this. Don't miss it. This is a very important point. You, you got to catch number four. Realign your life with God's Word. Realign your life with God's Word. Let me take you back to, to, to the book of Romans, chapter 12, that same scripture I read to you, and just bring out a, an insight here. Chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Do not conform any longer. In other words, you've been conforming. You got, you got conformed as a kid. You got conformed in college. You got, you, you've been conformed in your 20s. You've been shaped, molded. It's, it says don't be conformed any longer. I know that's what you've been in the past, but don't allow that to happen any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test, approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When your mind gets renewed, you got to stop some things that you've been doing and and start some different patterns in, in your life. Let me say this to you, because here's what some of you think. Well, Herbert, man, I've been doing this for years. I, I don't know that I really want to stop. I don't know if I can. You know, here's the deal. I mean, God's just a killjoy. He just wants me to stop having fun. That's not God at all. God says, listen, stop what you're doing. Stop engaging in sex out of marriage. Stop, stop, stop living together. Stop. Wait till you get married. Put a ring on it. God says all of that because he has your best interest in mind. 
God knows the pain and the hurt and the STDs and all the junk that happens when people do things their way. So God says, man, do things my way and you experience my blessings. He's not a killjoy. He wants the best for your life. And some of you say, Herbert, I've been trapped so long, I don't know if I can get out. I've been there. Herbert, I grew up in a dysfunctional home. I don't know that I can get out. Herbert, I've been having these patterns and habits and addictions for so long. I don't know that I can stop, Herbert. I want to stop, but I don't know if I can. And I'm here to tell you, listen to me. Listen, listen to me. You can't stop. Hear me. You can stop. Let me share a scripture with you that will help you. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3. His divine power, God's divine power, the person of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Notice this, his divine powers has given us what? Everybody shout everything. Come on, everybody shout everything. God's power has given us, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Listen to me. I want you to hear me. If you're a new believer, hear me. Maybe you got some wrong thinking about this whole deal. Hear me. There's somebody called the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, who's God himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And when you give your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit takes residence inside of you. You're not on your own. He's the helper. He leads you into all truth. And listen, God's Holy Spirit will help you live all. Listen, I couldn't do what I do by myself. I'm not some self. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that's in work in my life that set me free from addictions. I engaged in sex outside of marriage when I was in high school, but God's Holy Spirit changed me, gave me the right desires, changed me, set me free, and God's Holy Spirit will do the same for you. You need the Holy Spirit working inside of your life. I don't care if you've been addicted for 40 years. You can get free because there's the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit that will lead you into all truth. Thank you, Lord. Father, we bless you.